This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Certainly it's good to see each and every one of you, and I trust you've been blessed to be able to sing like we've been able to do together, to go to God in prayer, to study a little bit from God's Word here in a little while, and to take the communion, to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, to give of our means as we're prospered, to have fellowship together, and just to worship God, to be able to provoke one another into love and to good works, and hopefully you can... Uh, understand the blessing that we have to be together like this to be able to have that blessing and I trust that the worship service has been a blessing to you and it's our desire that we all glorify God and I appreciate the prayers on our behalf that continue to travel around to speak God's word that we can give you the truth that you can easily understand that and I have these scriptures prepared up here on the board for you to be able to turn through these scriptures and as we search the scriptures together to apply these truths to our life where need be. Our title of the study for this morning is Take Fast Hold of God's Word or On God's Word. And you know, whenever we're uh, younger, especially we use that word fast, we think of a fast car or a race. <laughs> That's not what that word here in this context means at all. Fast means securely. So take it and securely hold God's word is what he's saying there. And you can be turning back in the Old Testament. We're going to use a few Old Testament scriptures. Paul says that those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience and come to the scriptures might have hope. So we can learn a lot from these Old Testament scriptures. Then we can fast forward to the New Testament and make those applications. A lot of times Jesus, while he was on this earth, gave parables and analogies to help uh, the common things that everyday people could understand and learn and apply those spiritually. And we're going to do a little bit of that today. I want you to use your imaginations, and I know that's kind of dangerous to start a sermon and tell people that, but uh, bear with me. If you use your imagination for a moment, and let's just say a king or a queen gave a platter of jewels for you to take care of for them. All precious jewels, gold, silver, rubies, you could name all the precious stones, and they're all placed on this platter, and it's your responsibility to take care of all these jewels. How would you take on that responsibility? Would you take it lightly, or would you be very careful with it? You would take fast hold of that platter and be very careful. All of us, I'm sure, would use that responsibility wisely. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13, he says, take fast hold of instruction, let her not go. It says, keep her, for she is thy life. Now let's just upgrade this responsibility a little bit. This king or this queen has issued the death sentence upon you if you let any of those jewels fall off that platter. That just ups the responsibility quite a bit, doesn't it? It's off with your head if we let any of these jewels get destroyed. We're going to take fast hold and be very careful with that platter. All of us would. We would fear for our life. But fast forward to this spiritually speaking. He says we need to take fast hold of God's word. We need to keep it. Don't let it slip away. Be very careful with it. It's the most important thing that we have. Back up to verse 7 of this same chapter. Proverbs 4 verse 7. He says wisdom is the principal thing. 
Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. He says, exalt her, and she shall promote thee. And she shall bring to thee honor when thou dost embrace her. Just like that platter of jewels, you would hold that tight embrace and be very careful. We need to use God's word that way. We need to take it, be very careful with it. Because it's our life that's at stake. Everything in the word of God. He says it should be the principal thing in our life. And do we look at God's word that way? Or do we just use the Bible and throw it around as if it's just another book? He says, be careful. You need to hold it fast. Embrace it. Don't let it slip away. In the New Testament, very similar scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. He tells us to prove all things... Hold fast that which is good. How are you going to prove all things? How are we going to know right from wrong? Because you listen to God's word. And he tells us what's right and wrong. That's pretty simple. But then he says, hold fast. Hold it secure. Those things that are good. Don't let the things of the world slip in and start causing that platter to shake. And we might be very tempted to let those jewels slip off of there. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. He says, and let us hold fast, keep it secure, the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. There's a lot of things in this life that shakes our faith once in a while. If you haven't lived to be old enough to find that out, it'll catch up with you. There's temptations. Satan places all kinds of things before us. And you know what starts happening? That platter starts wavering. And those jewels start bouncing. And it becomes very hard not to let them fall off. And that's the way our faith is. When we have God's word and here comes Satan and he wants to take it out, he starts to make us shake. If we're not careful, we're going to lose those precious jewels. We need to keep that word and don't let it waver or, or don't let Satan waver our faith to take us away. In Psalms 119, verse 11, Psalms 119, verse 11, David says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the precious part of God's word that we can know right from wrong. We don't just have to walk through life wondering which way to go. God's word's like a lamp to our feet. It's a guide to our pathway. And he says, we've got to hide it. That don't mean hide it like keep it and nobody knows about it. That means keep it securely. See the difference? Just like you would hide money in a bank or hide treasures where nobody could steal it. We need God's word in here where nobody, not even Satan, can steal it out of there. Because it's a guide for us and it won't make us waver. We won't sin against God by keeping God's word in our heart. And it takes effort to put that word in our heart. It's not something that magically happens. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, there's a progress that has to happen. It don't just, you wake up one morning and God's Word's in here and you're good to go. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Paul says to study. That don't mean just open your Bible, close it, and you never remember what you read. Study it. For those of you that are just getting old enough to learn how to drive, you study that manual very diligently so you can pass your driver's test, right? You want to be able to drive. You don't just look at it and close it and you don't remember and fail your test. No, you want it. 
We need to use God's word that way. You want it. He says to study, to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. As you go through life, you can learn more and more. You can gain that knowledge. But he says it takes effort. You have to study it and come into places like this to hear it taught, to be able to do it on your own time. All of those things are necessary for this process so you can put God's word in your heart and keep it there. Because let me tell you, the world out there doesn't want you to have it. And you'll be guided the wrong way. There's more things to this platter of jewels, though, than just this. It's one thing to try to keep it steady. It's one thing to want to do a good job with that. But there's more obstacles that comes along. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, there at verse 2, like I say, some of this stuff's under the old law, but we're going to fast forward it to the new law here in a little bit. But I want you to think of the importance of God's word, how that God doesn't want us to mess with those things that's written therein. In Deuteronomy 4 verse 2, he tells them way back there in the Old Testament, it says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. You say, well, that's just under the Old Testament. That's no big deal. We can change God's word today and do whatever we want. Oh, really? Be careful before you say that. In the New Testament now, in Revelation 22... Verse 18, Revelation 22, verse 18, a very similar language here. He says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Apparently, God takes it very seriously how we treat His Word. If we were to take this platter of jewels that we've been using this illustration, this king or this queen just happens to know every piece of silver, every piece of gold, every ruby, every precious stone. It's all in its particular place. And the commandment is, is you do not move those. It should return to the king or queen just like they had it on that platter. Would any of the rest of you be tempted to take that gold and switch it around and say, well, it looks better over here by this ruby. <laughs> this should look better over here. I don't know why that king or queen would have put that there. Let's just change that. What would you think that king or queen would do when you brought the platter and presented it? It's off with your head. You broke that law. And just as important, or I shouldn't say just as important, but even more important, we need to treat God's word as God gives the commandment. He says, I don't want you to add to it. I don't want you to take from it. It's my word. It's precious. Don't mess with it. And we need to take that very seriously. Over in Hebrews chapter 2 at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 at verse 1. The writer says, Therefore we ought to give thee more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, he says, if it was the death penalty under that old law, he says, fast forward it to our day and time, he says, how shall we escape? 
If we neglect so great salvation, which of the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. You see, if we get a little bit careless with this platter, we let one of them jewels slip off, we already know we're doomed. It's over. Do we treat God's word seriously like that? He says we ought to give the more earnest heed not to ever let God's word slip away. That's important. Why would he give us that warning if it wasn't important? But you know what? It's not as easy as it sounds. In Hebrew, or Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, there's more obstacles that we have to deal with. It's not as simply as holding this platter and being still and that you're good to go. There's other things that's happening around it. In Ephesians 4, verse 14, he says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slide of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. It's not as simple whenever you're trying to hold this platter and now the wind's blowing. Here lately the winds have been pretty gusty. It'd be hard to hold those jewels together, not let them get all mixed up and moving around. You're trying to be careful when the wind's blowing, the wind's blowing, and Satan's good at this. In our life, Satan does everything to try to blow around and change that doctrine. Hey, it's okay. Just change a few of those things. And all the religious world around us tries to use all these different doctrines, but how do we know what's right? Everything just tossing us to and fro, and it becomes such confusion. You know an easy way to get out of the confusion? Look at the Word of God where everything belonged and hold on tight with all you have and it will not slip away. That's God's promise for us. But yet, as simple as that sounds, Satan's really good at what he does to try to make us jumble those around and let those things slip. In Luke chapter 8, we have the parable that Jesus talked about of the sower. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but in Luke 8, Beginning verse 11, Jesus says now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And then he says, verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and does what? And takes the way of the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. That's sad, isn't it? David says if we could hide the word in our heart, we wouldn't sin against God. Satan says, oh no, I'm not even going to let these people have it in their heart. And he rips it out of there. It's just like ripping all the platter just completely dry of all those jewels. And you're like, whoa, how am I going to face this king or queen now? Satan's good at this stuff. Don't think that it can't happen. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. You know, you may be holding that platter and you're glad to do it. Say, oh, this is an awesome responsibility. I'm glad to have this. But then the road becomes a little bit rocky and it's come steep and you're just shaking. And before long, all the jewels fall off. And then it's so devastating. Satan can do the same thing with you with the word of God to rip it out of your heart. When temptations come along in this life, a lot of people choose to leave God over those temptations. Verse 14, 
And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasure this life and bring no fruit to perfection. This gets a lot of good people, even people that we know. Things just come up in life. They start having these worries, these cares of life, and it just starts causing them to drift away. They become weak in their faith and fall away. Some it might be riches. Some it might be vacations, pleasures of life. It's not necessarily a sin problem in itself, but those things started taking the Word of God out of their heart. They become interested in all those types of things. And then before long you look and you've lost track of all that's on this platter. And they fell away while we was doing our own thing, not watching close enough. Be careful Satan doesn't use this on any of us. Finally, verse 15, But that on the good ground are they which an honest and good heart, having heard the word, it says they keep it. They hide it in their heart. They live by it and bring forth fruit to perfection. Hopefully that's talking about all of us. We're completely having it in our heart. We keep it fast locked in there. Don't let Satan take it out. Keep this platter of jewels ever so secure to be pleasing. It amazes me some of the things the apostles went through and just how much the wind would blow for them and how many persecutions they went through, how many temptations they had to endure. And yet they had that responsibility to be able to take fast hold of God's word and to teach it to others. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, or starting at verse 11, Paul talks just a little bit briefly about those persecutions. And he brings, a, he don't list them here necessarily, but he brings them up. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 11, he says, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Whenever Satan comes to tempt you, you can have the hope and assurance that God knows how to deliver you out of those things. Just keep holding the Word of God close. Don't let it go. Paul says, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Like I say, you might be younger and everything's going great. That's good. The older you get, the more things that happen, the trials of life happen. Those things start bearing on our faith and it becomes very difficult Paul says it's nothing to be surprised over. All that live godly will suffer some kind of persecution, these trials and temptations. Verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. How many people out there do you see that you show the Word of God and they're so deceived that they miss it? It's sad, isn't it? But it's already told in Scripture that's what's happening. But how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to stay strong and how are we going to hold fast of God's word during all of this? Verse 14 tells us the answer. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says in that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And he tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
Paul says, despite whatever trials and temptations you have, despite the wavering of your faith, he said, you still have a way to hold those jewels securely. He says, you have the assurance that God's word is there to protect you. You have the assurance that Jesus promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's all going to work out. Just keep going. Hold it steady and you'll make it. Just keep holding it. You'll get there. But Satan comes along and says, well, there's just all kinds of ways, many different doctrines of salvation, and it's just so confusing, you should just give up. Don't give up. Seek for the truth with all of your heart, and you'll find it. Jesus says that it would be opening up to us if we would just knock and want it. And over in Acts chapter 2, was the first gospel sermon that we have record of. And we're going to examine what they did for salvation on that day when the church first began. And it'll give us the answers and it'll wipe out all the confusion if we'll just listen to God's word and want it to seek the truth. In Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 36, Peter said unto them, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? These people on that day of Pentecost, they heard the truth. And it really pricked their heart. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been looking for the Messiah throughout all that Old Testament prophecy. And they kept looking and looking for this Savior. And they missed it. And now Peter says, guess what? It's you that had Jesus crucified. That'd be hard to take. It says that when they heard this truth, they were pricked in their heart. That tells me they believed it with all of their heart. They put that truth in there in their heart. And now they're saying, what are we going to do? And what's important is what Peter's going to tell them because Peter's going to tell them the truth. Verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Just a few of you that I vote on and pick out that's going to be appropriate to add to the church. That's not what he said. He said, Every one of you. See that gospel call went out to every one of them. Even these murderers of the Son of God, they were the first one to hear the gospel. Never tell yourself that your life is so ruined that God doesn't want you. God's loving message of the truth went first to even those murderers of Jesus. And Peter says, I want you to change your life. I want you to believe with all of your heart this truth that I'm telling you. And then he tells them to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you. To that very generation that had Jesus crucified. Wow. Don't you think that promise would be for all of us today? We've never done anything this drastic bad. And he says not only to these, but to their children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word, they were baptized, weren't they? You know why? Because they put that word in their heart and didn't let Satan take it out. They did 
what Peter told them to do. Maybe those many other words that Peter talked about, we don't have this on the board, but in Matthew 10, verse 32, something that's necessary for us. Jesus says that whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. We don't have record they did that on that day, but no doubt they lived when Jesus walked the earth. They knew who he was. They knew this situation. But for us today, we need this necessary step to confess Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. And we see this record that they that gladly received his word, they obeyed the gospel, they were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You get down to verse 47 and it starts making sense of what they were added to and who done the adding. Verse 47, it says that after they had obeyed the gospel, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So once they obeyed the gospel, there was never a vote. It's the Lord that added them to the church. Added who? Even these very murderers of Jesus, they were the first ones to obey the gospel. Never tell yourself that you're so bad that God doesn't want you. You've never done anything this bad. And God wants you to. You say, well... We've heard so many other doctrines and that wind tosses us to and fro and people said, well, you really don't have to be baptized for salvation and they, they try to change all these things. Let me ask you something. Which one of the jewels on that platter do you want to change around? And you don't think that king or queen will notice? We said, no, I wouldn't want to mess with that because it's off with my head. Which one of these parts of salvation, the first gospel sermon that was preached, which one of these do we want to mess with and change around? to add or to take from. I wouldn't want to mess with that, would you? This is the truth that Peter gave. Why would we want to mess with it? Over in Romans chapter 6, this is Paul talking about the importance of what baptism does for us. Romans 6 beginning verse 3. He says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Why is that important? Because it's in his death is where his blood was shed, remember? And it's his blood that's able to wash away our sins. He says when you're baptized into Jesus Christ, you're baptized into his death. And then he goes on to say, therefore, we are buried with him. We're buried with Jesus. How's that possible? He says by baptism into death. And then he goes on to say that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so ye also should walk in newness of life. He says, for if ye've been planted together in the likeness of his death, ye shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. He says, you're crucified with Christ that this body of sin might be destroyed I want you to think of it this way if you'll picture the water of baptism for a bit he says when you're baptized into Jesus you're baptized into his death and then he says this old man with all of his sins when you go under that water he says all those sins they're crucified with Jesus they're killed out this body of sin it says it's destroyed it's crucified. 
It's killed out. You go into the water with all those sins, and he says, now those sins are buried, they're destroyed. And then he says, just like Christ was raised up from the dead, that all of us can walk in newness of life. For this body of sin is destroyed. And then what's he say? Just live your life however you want to. It don't matter. Because that's some doctrines that's out there too. He says that you henceforth should not serve sin. For he that is dead, if we've been baptized into Jesus, we've died the death, we've crucified with Jesus, he that is dead, and then once we come up out of that water, what are we now? He says you're freed from sin. Let me ask you something. If Paul makes this so plain, why would we come along and say, hmm, I believe I want to move that around and change that? You can't do that. We have to leave this stuff alone. This was the first gospel sermon that was preached by Peter, and then Paul comes along and confirms all these things, why it was necessary to be baptized in Jesus Christ to reach his cleansing blood. When we're buried with Jesus, that old body of sin, it dies, and when it comes up out of the water, you have newness of life. Why? Because you've been forgiven of all of those sins, no matter how many or how bad they were. We have no greater blessing than that. Today, if you need to become a Christian, you need to understand today is the opportunity. If you've been putting it off and you've been wondering, should I do it or should I not? Just don't put it off because you need this freedom from sin. You can have a whole new life to live. And let me tell you something. All of us that have obeyed the gospel, we have this new life to live. We need to treat it like it's our new life. This platter of jewels, very securely treat it that way. Treat our body that way. And over in John 12, this is Jesus speaking to all of us. John 12, verse 48. Jesus says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words. If we don't want to do this stuff, if we don't want to listen to Jesus, because after all, in Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus did say, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If we want to reject that, he says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Jesus says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. If we want to have everlasting life, we've got to listen to Jesus and do it Jesus' way. Otherwise, it's all in vain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there at verse 10, a reality that sometimes I suppose that all of us forget about from time to time. But the reality is this, or 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, he says, For we must all... Nobody's going to escape this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. And knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, Paul says, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Paul took upon himself to tell everyone he could about this terror of the Lord. He says, I want you to have salvation. God wants you to have salvation. Why would they put it off? 
Maybe you've been putting it off today. We're never promised a tomorrow. Maybe you need to be baptized to have remission of your sins. There's nobody that has to vote on that. That salvation's call is for everyone. You've never done anything so bad that God doesn't want you to be in the church. There's not a person here that would neglect anything that's ever happened in your life. They would want you to come to the church, to be added to the kingdom. They would want you to be a part of what we all strive for, and that's everlasting life. But let me tell you, if you reject this invitation, perhaps death finds you or Jesus comes back, you're going to always look back say, I should have done it that day. I was ever so close, and then I didn't. Satan's wanting to take this word out of your heart right now. Don't let it happen. If you need to become a Christian, just say, Satan, get behind me. I'm ready to do it. All you have to do is come out into the aisle, have a seat in the front, and let it be known while that we stand and while we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.